I love the idea of being able to use your whole arm on a white canvas and not really knowing what it's going to be. Like, I have some idea of the direction I want the painting to go based on some of the things I've done before, some of the things that I look at and inspire me. There's a dance that you have between overworking something and underworking it and sometimes you overwork it and you can feel it so then the next painting I'm like retreat <laughs> you know move around the thing that's why the music because it's a lyrical you know you think of Jackson Pollock with his big painting canvas on the ground and he's literally like throwing the paint and moving around the canvas and probably listening to jazz music over there in the Hamptons. <laughs> Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 262nd episode, I'm super excited to be joined by friend and colleague Anne Bloss, who I met up with at her studio. We talked, of course, all about her work there, but especially her background, her love of music, her interest in fashion at an early age, and how that inevitably left to working in advertising. We talk a bit about working and living in Chicago during her early 20s, going to check out exhibitions, going to check out shows and live music and how that was influential and just that kind of creative spirit and energy that she's always had drawing as a youngster and working with a variety of materials. After Anne started a family, she got more and more interested in art, started taking some classes and eventually got her MFA degree from NIU. And like always, we talk a bit about her paintings that explore a variety of abstraction on different surfaces, traditional oil painting, mylar, some sculptural works, how stream of consciousness affects her work, as well as some representational images and influences. So I do want to note real quick that Anne will be showing in the 2021 Beverly Art Walk in Chicago on Saturday, September 18th. Over 50 venues that span 95th Street to 111th Streets. So super exciting stuff and lots of live music. So if you want to follow Anne on Instagram, it's at Anne Bloss. And that way you can always stay up to date with her work. There will be a link up on studiobreak.com, so if you want to find it that way, you can also check out some artists that have been featured on studiobreak.com. Again, each of those artists have images of their work, links to their websites. You can listen to their interview right on studiobreak.com or subscribe to the podcast, and then that way you've always got something to listen to while you're working in the studio. Be sure to follow Studio Break in social media. You can like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break, and of course on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. With those announcements out of the way, let's get to this interview with Ann Bloss. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Ann Bloss. Hi. Well, again, exciting to be in your studio for a change. So, yeah, thank you, know, you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know, again, we've been kind of connected. Obviously, we both teach at uh, College of DuPage and known each other for years, but we kind of become much, I guess, colleagues during the uh, pandemic. So yep. it's nice to you know, visit and talk to you about your work. So yeah, we're, we're holding on to each other for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, again, it's been a good springboard for that creatively, uh, both in the classroom and obviously in support of doing stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, 
I love learning all about people's backgrounds. And, and again, I kind of purposely don't even do too, too much research in terms of investigating chat forums from 1998 or something. Yeah. But, um, uh, where where are you from? Are you from the, the suburbs or from the city or where are you from? Well, exactly? I was born in Chicago on the south side, actually in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Then the folks moved out to Bolingbrook, uh, southwest suburbs, and grew up there my whole life. Went to Co- Bolingbrook High School, Western Illinois University for undergrad, and then moved around a little bit throughout the suburbs after that. Right on. And... I'm assuming that you've always been a maker, like from a really small age, you've been yes pouring paint on grounds and whatever, <laughs> messing up, messing up, I don't know what, in the kitchen. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, always. I have a um, few little stories when I was a kid. One, I did this Beatles poster sort of thing in third or fourth grade of the four Beatles. I drew it on cardboard and it was like maybe like four feet by six feet. The school thought it was so good they kept it up all year. <laughs> and there it was basically the often album cover, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, so I was known as Anne the Artist. Funny little story, just always sure. making things. Yeah. Sure. Well I mean again that's interesting, you know, because I think again it just varies so much for everybody. You know, because I mean, obviously, and we've talked about this, you know, especially related to like anime or things like that. I, you know, grew up like with a lot of comic books and kind of maybe that might be something. But was that something then that you were kind of encouraged at a younger age to kind of pursue? Were your parents like, oh, this is a great thing that you do? Or were they like, (laughs) this is so not a great thing? I don't know. I'm not sure where the the idea, probably from the other kids and curiosity. But since I could draw, I was like, okay, like kind of like our crumb. Where he's like, okay, I'll be that kid that will, you know, whip out whatever drawing people are looking for. No, my dad was really good at drawing. And uh, my mom was full of ingenuity. She's from Ireland. She grew up very poor, came to America in the 1950s. But when she was at home, she would do a lot of, they had to come up with whatever they needed. Mm-hmm. One time she made a cabinet for our bathroom Mm -hmm. instead of buying one so she just made the wooden box that goes under the sure (laughs) the sink the funny thing was though she met my dad he was american he had a college education and he could we were middle class Mm -hmm. but she he would be like you know like at mcdonald's we would have to split a hamburger (laughs) he'd be like bridie we can afford the whole hamburger let the kids (laughs) eat the whole hamburger so Yeah, but my mom was full of ingenuity, and my dad was gifted kind of in drafting. Mm -hmm. He ended up being a history teacher after World War II. Very smart man, went to Western Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then he met his beautiful Irish bride and (laughs) fell in love with her and her charm. Sure. And so if anything is off kilter in this interview, (laughs) that's where it comes from. Well, but that's, again, that's kind of cool, you know, just thinking about backgrounds and all of our influences as we're kind of being, you know, brought up. Cause I think there's always something like that. Like my grandfather was a woodworker and did a lot of stained glass stuff. Oh, nice. I wasn't necessarily great at that, you know, but it's probably like when I first got scared of power tools, uh, which has since changed slightly, but, um, it's still kind of one of those things that's interesting because we all kind of have these, you know, influences or support groups or, yeah, I don't know if it's a support group, exactly our family, but they kind of feel (laughs) like it a lot. Right. What did he make his own, uh, 
stained glass yeah stained glass windows and things like that you know church stuff but it was just interesting to kind of be around that because I think that's something that I you know gravitated towards and kind of like you know you're describing with your family to kind of have that ingenuity to just kind of like work on a problem or solve something that seems like most people wouldn't you know bother or something but was that something then too like to think about it art wise I mean was that something where you were you know, taking art classes, you know, in terms of like growing up and in grade school, high school, that kind of thing. I would watch the Flintstones on TV. We didn't, this is going to date me now. <laughs> we didn't yeah, I watched have, the Flintstones too, so. <laughs> we didn't have, at least our family didn't have a VCR till later. Mm-hmm. So there was no way to tape. So I would draw them live and, and keep up with it. And then I got really interested in, um, I still remember the name like, erase me trace me dolls like mm-hmm. kind of like paper dolls and I would make the dolls make the clothing and and just you know anything that you'd want you'd just make it yourself you know whatever you couldn't have sure sure yeah so I was pretty interested in fashion at a young age skipping ahead but you can welcome to go <laughs> sure. back again <laughs> I was thinking about going to fashion school because I took a lot of fashion design in high school as well as art classes. And then in undergrad, I even signed up to be a fashion major. Okay. You would never know by how you see me dressed. (laughs) (laughs) But I was obsessed with that and collected Vogue and all that stuff. And I'm curious too, though. I mean, one thing that I know about you is that like, there's also this kind of deep love of music. I'm, I'm curious, like you had to have been in some kind of band, no? In high school, nothing? Uh... No, but I fancy myself <laughs> the leader of every band. Sure, sure. No, I had a um, two older brothers by six and seven years, which is quite substantial. So they were very well versed in music, and they had two separate personalities, although they were a year apart, Tom and Ken. Mm-hmm. And um, Tommy was interested in, you know, like the Almond Brothers and um, Black Oak, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and Black Sabbath, whatever, heavier music. And then my brother Ken loved Fleetwood Mac. He was in the, played the cornet, and what else did he love? Elton John. So a little bit more of a range of music there. Mm -hmm. Until my brother Ken went to university, and then he saw Patti Smith, which was out of character for him, and it influenced me like you know, influenced everything about me from that age till now. I love her. Well, that's, <laughs> gosh, I mean, that, that's, that seems so powerful too. And obviously for me, kind of like coming back to music, it's really interesting to think about. But for me, I mean, again, you know, I remember when I got certain albums or something like that and listened to them kind of obsessively for weeks yeah. until you kind of burn out on them. It yeah. just seems like, again, music and, and like different times in my life, you know, are things that I connect to. Oh, yeah. I mean, music is really integral with my art making and my personality, I think. Mm-hmm. Foundationally, that's who I am. Sure. Listening to those records. You know, my parents were s- more strict. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't really allowed to go to concerts. This is going to make me look terrible but my dad (laughs) (laughs) passed away and when I was 20 but then you know then we were well I shouldn't say that I take that back I went to see a band at 18 okay (laughs) live and then you know from then on like 40 times a year okay yeah just say for some reason I imagine you being like the the mixtape person or 
you know, organizing, curating yes. all these kind of like tracks for your friends. Like here, take this. Yes, and yes, yes. Uh, that was the best gift that I could get and give to somebody. I would take the albums and then also had cassette and then curate the tape for a certain person. And there might be certain songs on there that had more meaning. Sure. And the person listening would probably be like, oh, that's for me. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, again, that's just something that I was saying to you earlier. I like totally associate with artists, you know, working in a studio or things like that. And so I guess I kind of roundabout get back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, maybe thinking about more like fashion design, things like that. I guess what, what changed? Did you, of course, imagine like it was a painting class or something where somebody was just like, go be uninhibited and you're like, yes. Or <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe fashion design had too many kind of limitations right well since it was a state college they didn't really have the fashion design program so you know as any good college student will do they I noticed that you know I'm not getting you know it's a race between will I have the credits to graduate and am I wasting my time over here over there and so I was kind of doing a dual major once I took an art class of course it was like and I took art through high school all four years and um, junior high, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But once I realized that the two things were kind of like counteractive, I was sort of playing with the idea of going to Parsons School of Design for a while, which would have put me in the center of the fashion world, New York, and mm-hmm. I'm sure my life would have been much different. <laughs> sure. Anyway, I don't know. The art department just seemed, once you I got into the classes, a better fit rather than struggling to make the, the fashion fit and make up a major. It just seemed sure. impossible. And, like, you wouldn't go anywhere from western Illinois or something. Well, and, again, it just strikes me, too, with having that, like, goal in mind or something. It's almost like you're, you're completing this task instead of kind of, like, designing your own interests or kind of like coming up with content that you're going to yeah. you know <laughs> pursue in painting or you know whatever else but I would imagine too drawing is something that's really important you know because kind of going through what is it Instagram and Bloss art is yeah. that correct yeah so again everybody should definitely follow you and, and check that out but again there's just tons of sketchbooks and drawings so I would imagine that drawing and painting are something that are kind of hand in hand a little bit maybe even going way back then yeah I think that, that, as I mentioned, with, like, drawing those cartoons and drawing, you know, everything when I was a kid, I think I did draw every single day, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was fashion or doing portraits. Like, I learned to draw portraits really early, mm-hmm. and I love to just kind of capture whatever, or the Vogue magazines, which, as a young teenager, I think a lot of girls gravitate toward that and you know like kind of wishing you had those outfits or whatever and mm-hmm. drawing them was a way to manifest that I I think and then I I knew, I knew how to sew so then I'd make the outfits and it'd be like sure. styling <laughs> <laughs> right on yeah well and I guess you know kind of thinking back to like undergrad I mean what what did you kind of leave that experience with making because obviously you know if people are checking out your work now you know tons of these kind of lyrical, kind of colorful, abstract paintings as opposed to, were you, were you doing a lot more figurative kind of based work then at the time? Well, I, I, I forgot a little missing piece of the puzzle is that <laughs> I majored in graphic design. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a struggle between being practical and your inner, whoever you really are, you know, and your parents. My parents didn't really 
pressure me either way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a good head on my shoulders and thought like, well, I'd be more likely to get a job this way. And I did. I worked for Leo Burnett in Chicago, had a really good job in advertising mm-hmm. and was a apprentice illustrator. So really could draw realistically pretty well and and doing things like parts assembly and worked for a couple corporations doing those kind of drawings like nuclear warning system for Mm -hmm. federal signal shout out (laughs) (laughs) i think they're still in business but i worked there every year from um 17 till i was like 24 uh, 16 to 24 at a big corporation wow and i i started out in the warehouse kind of thing but then my brother worked there too as an engineer and then they're like well get in in here to do the corporate like manual and then all of a sudden I'm drawing police sirens and wow you know the um detector to see if you were drinking what's it called the sobriety <laughs> test I yes yeah I mean, they made one of those test? we know. tested it out <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding well, and again, I would imagine that kind of kept you busy, you know, during your early 20s and allow you to go see like ridiculous shows at the same time. Because um, again, I, like again, I'm fascinated by it seems like the endless amount of like band knowledge uh, as well as like, <laughs> you know, Chicago knowledge. But I mean, I'm imagining that you're kind of in that world then and kind of, you know, working, doing all this design stuff, but then also kind of being out and about seeing shows. Yeah. And exhibitions, I'm, ass- I'm assuming, too, in Chicago. Yeah, I remember seeing a early Andy Warhol show at the Art Institute. And that was before I was really... So I was interested in going to see that mm-hmm. um, art, big exhibitions, when I was still in advertising. But uh, Maple Thorpe, Andre Serrano, mm-hmm. all those... Uh, shocking shows back in the day working downtown so it was like posters up everywhere and and things so I like to always be where you know where something's happening (laughs) and yes so many bands I can't keep them straight (laughs) but just name one sure sure (laughs) but I love that you know the blues fest small 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 venues and how that ties in for being an artist I think is it kind of, I like anything that comes from the soul that's mm-hmm. very authentic. In the moment, in a concert, you feel very alive, very real, very in touch with someone else's like inner drive to create. And whether it's music or art, it's all, it's all cool. And I'm assuming then there was some kind of story in terms of a switcheroo, in terms of kind of pursuing more fine art was there anything in particular that you could think of or share that isn't too uh too awful I don't well again I mean who knows I mean I've talked to people that literally were going to be ministers and changed their majors to you know being an art student or something like that but was there something that kind of led you back towards that fine art path somewhere in there I had met my mate and had children <laughs> so the whole like going from college to hanging out at the clubs and watching bands and then, you know, um, meeting somebody, uh, having kids. And all of a sudden, then I stopped doing, stopped working for a couple years and then went back and pursued then, uh, rather than the advertising, fine arts. Mm -hmm. And was there a particular like avenue that you were thinking about or was it just like 2D at the start or? I would, I had the little toddlers. I have three kids. They're all grown now, Eric, Bridget and Mary. At the time I just had the two older ones and I just, again, like the kids are one or two, did all my 
duties, but I get the itch for making <laughs> art again. And then um, just decided I would take a class at NIU, mm -hmm. just a painting class. Even though I was doing graphic design at Western, my last class I was doing fibers, painting, drawing, printmaking, lithography, all that stuff because I had all the credits for graphic design and I and I really loved painting mm -hmm. you know it was geared more towards the other and then I'm like I got to get back to painting so it'd been several years working in advertising having small children and then all of a sudden you know it's like the only thing that made sense was like I got to go paint again mm -hmm. so I took just a painting class just thinking I, I just need to go paint and then Loved it, obviously. And then I just really slow because I wanted to, you know, just not be gone that much with the little kids. So then I would take one or two classes a week. At that time, they would let you just take them kind of student at large or whatever without declaring a thing. But I accumulated a good number of graduate <laughs> degrees. And I'm like, well, might as well get my sure. master's. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, full throttle into MFA, so... And so what was that like? Because, I mean, again, something that's interesting to me about, you know, thinking about work that I've seen from you is that there are oftentimes like a number of different materials that you might use aside from paint. But was that something then, too, to kind of pursue just that kind of creative side of things? I guess maybe to think about the graduate kind of work and stuff that you were doing. Was it kind of like mixed media or, you know, just purely painting that you were kind of solely focused on towards the end of that? Well, uh, that big painting over there behind David for all you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we'll it's, get a good shot of it. <laughs> okay. I made a whole exhibition full of that size paintings. That was my MFA show. So I was working pretty abstractly. My uh, mentor is Gordon Dorn. Mm -hmm. If you went to NIU, you would for sure know him. He was a legend and very influential art mentor for a lot of Chicago artists that really loved his instruction but I had him for just like one of those, you know, painting classes where I went back just to, you know, take painting, just whatever. And I was doing slightly illustrative style, uh, you know, because of working in graphic design. And I, and I remember him being kind of frustrated with that and me annoyed with him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're working figuratively, you always have to think about what am I going to paint? So I just one day just like, after this, I just want to get some paint on the canvas and just start creating really intuitively and working with color. And I remember him just being like, now you're painting. <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of thinking about what is that? Like, what is painting? And yeah. Yeah. And what, what is he responding to? Because part of me had my ego going like, well, if it's not realistic, what is it? Like, sure. then he thinks I can't draw, but I can draw. <laughs> Well, and I would think, too, like in the same way that you kind of talk about like music kind of like connecting to you, that speaks to me relative to, you know, being an intuitive painter, because I've, I've been in that mode, at least for a chunk of time. Um, and there's still a lot of that even representationally in terms of being, you know, able to respond to something. But is that something that you would kind of like allows you to be in the moment to just kind of be able to make decisions, be able to edit, you know, go back into a painting, sand it down. I mean, like maybe talk a little bit about the, the processes or things that maybe I guess were kind of related then and, and maybe what relates now. I don't know if that makes sense, but I can repeat it if I need to. I just stretched a canvas over there and that that's smaller, but bigger than some other things, mm -hmm. which I love the idea of 
being able to use your whole arm on a white canvas and not really knowing what it's going to be like I have some idea of the direction I want the painting to go based on some of the things I've done before mm -hmm. some of the things that I look at and inspire me there's a dance that you have between overworking something and underworking it and sometimes you overwork it and you can feel it so then the next painting I'm like retreat <laughs> <laughs> like you know move around the thing that's why the music because it's a lyrical you know you think of Jackson Pollock with his big painting canvas on the ground and he's literally like throwing the paint and moving around the canvas and probably listening to jazz music over there in the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any kind of like other preparation that kind of goes involved? Because like as I was saying earlier, I know that you keep a sketchbook pretty regularly. Yeah. Is that something where like a composition will start out in a sketchbook and become a painting? Or are they things that you kind of think of as, as being kind of separate? I'm kind of in between right now. And now I'm thinking I want to tie the paintings closer to the sketches. Okay. I have for a long time thought of them as separate. The oil paint itself lends itself to a different experience that's a little bit more, you know, it's kind of trailing along the canvas and you kind of, whatever you're putting down, you know, manipulating it. You can go too far with oil paint. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking now my strength is with some of these sketches mm -hmm. and drawing in the line. And that that's the direction I think I want to go. And plus I did a couple murals lately where you, I know you can project them and you can control them. But I like the idea of making murals where you still have that spontaneity. And I think it's the line that, that, it, that drives that. And if you just let the line go and flow, I know this sounds hippy-dippy, but <laughs> I think that you can't go wrong in some way. Well, it strikes me as like the drawings seem a little bit tighter. You know, they're a little bit more controlled yeah. and less, I don't want to say lyrical because they're still very lyrical. There's still tons of color and really interesting shapes that are kind of going on in them. But to kind of think about the, that kind of like larger painting to me, it kind of relates back to that idea of the figure or the kind of gestures that you would make drawing the figure, which are much more loose and, you know, quick and spontaneous and in the moment as opposed to like, I don't know, sitting down at a table and drawing, you know, something, yeah. something that almost kind of has um, just like a different flavor, I guess, if you will. You know? Yeah. You know, that that's probably striking a, a little thought, like a critique with me now. I'm always just interested in thinking about, you know, breaking all these things down. So it seems like then for a long time, it's been kind of this you know, response to the materials on, on the surface, you're, you know, going to start somewhere, some of it's going to, you know, fall into place and other, other things might have to be edited. Maybe talk a little bit more about that process, I guess, just, you know, in terms of, you know, color choices or shapes. I mean, are they derived from nature or? I might start the painting with the form or the line. And I think for the past five years, I've been working a little bit more with color and form. Now I'm going to start this big painting and I bought more paint markers. So I'm definitely going to start with line and drawing. Because in some of these sketchbook drawings, I have been using like a triangle or a circle. Mm -hmm. So I would never use that, I don't think, on a painting. I don't think nothing about my paintings are hard edge or something like that. Mm -hmm. I will uh, kind of draw something maybe from nature. Maybe there's sometimes trees or mushrooms or 
forms that are plant-like or birds. There's recognizable objects in a lot of these abstractions, like slugs, and but then there's also this big feeling of maybe like nature versus something that's threatening the nature. So one of the other things that I'm interested, obviously we've got works on canvas, on linen, but then we also have like these mylar pieces, which, you know, there's certainly like layers going on in the other paintings that are oil painting, but then, you know, with the mylar pieces, you kind of see more of that transparency of some of these other forms and like things that are over the top of them. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about that. I honestly haven't ever worked on mylar, which is going <laughs> to sound, you know, terrible, right? Um, yeah. But maybe talk a little bit about those, because, I mean, again, they have a totally different kind of surface. Actually, I feel like I'm having greater success with the mylars, and I want, I'm kind of driven to make the paintings have some of that spontaneity that they do, but there's something about that surface of the mylar, because it is transparent, it's both drawing and painting, you know, you can see through it, you can paint on the back of it, and I like the big open space. It's pouring paint a little bit, it's mm -hmm. playing with like combinations of stuff. There's a little edge where you can be a little bit too kind of where, you know, like spin art or something where I, I want to stay away from. But I either, same thing, I might start those with line drawing. And as you can see on some of them, they're really tight illustrations. So I'm actually drawing a snail or a slug or a bird. And then there's um, some kind of abstracted painted form or color that, that intrudes on those spaces. And in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, those two are in conflict for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I like to create that conflict on the on the surface and have this infinite place of looking in a battle and and resting spaces and there's peaceful colors and sometimes you know as one of my friends said baby colors that come out <laughs> which a lot of peaches and pinks and and i'm like wow why do i keep picking those <laughs> colors that are a little bit soft but i'm feeling edgy and want to make them more confronting in some way yeah, and it looks like, too, there's some areas that are, like, certainly, like, more tightly detailed, and maybe that's kind of, like, how the paintings start off, and maybe yeah. you don't see that as much in the paintings, but, again, that's something that's really interesting, because, again, that kind of, like, you know, there's a lyrical line in the in the paintings, but, again, certainly more so, I think, in, in some of the, you know, the Mylar pieces that, are, that I'm looking at, just because, yeah, again, I don't know, you just start wanting to kind of investigate into them, just because, like, again, in, like, this one over here, there's kind of, like, this patterning that looks really kind of a little bit more tight and controlled, so again, it's interesting to think about, you know, there's these different modes that you're going to explore in both of these, I guess, bodies of work. Yeah, so the the one, the center painting right there, that was something after Kurt, you know, Kurt Cobain. Mm -hmm. and there's not, there's a couple little references to him, and it says the word skater. Mm -hmm. like, sometimes I write words on my mylar. Mm -hmm. And it's stream of conscious also. Like it's just because I'm working on the table and some word might pop into my head or I might be listening to something and it just spins around over and over until I find myself just writing a note or mm -hmm. something. The other reference to him is like a Converse All-Star shoelaces, which kind of make up the terrain of a mountainous range if that makes any mm -hmm. sense but I'm using the shoelaces to build landscape mm -hmm. 
and you have to look hard, but it's right there. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because they kind of have almost that otherworldly kind of quality too, like um, I don't know, just almost some sort of like other experience that you would walk into if that makes sense like if you were to put on those uh, 3d glasses or something that i've never done um, <laughs> but you know what i mean like it just seems otherworldly in, in that regards too and i think that's something that's really interesting about you know all of these and 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 then i'll draw like this hawk or eagle or owl at the top and, that, and then that's kind of watching something but it also works as like a form mm-hmm. that's kind of directing your eye to the action, which might be those Converse All-Star, <laughs> which is uh, symbolic for maybe his death. I know uh, somebody said, don't explain your art. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, But I th- these are in my head, like little stories. I think all of those things, though, are things that are helpful just because I can think it keeps us moving, you know, like we kind of start thinking about other things, you know, kind of like the way that you were talking about how some of these drawings might kind of influence other paintings you know that are, that are going to change that and you know that's always happening to everybody right they're always kind of like evolving yeah something new kind of we get obsessed with you know yeah and I, I know there's some people that really stay the course but I feel like maybe maybe I err a little bit on hopping around a little bit mm-hmm. like the rug I made over there mm-hmm. <laughs> But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think you have to follow that voice and move around and do different projects and keep things interesting. And it's, I guess, all said and done, they all relate to each other. But definitely what direction. And I'm, I'm thinking line is the strength now. And color and motion. I was going to say, I'm really happy that that's your rug because I'm like, this kind of looks like one of Anne's paintings. I'm like, where did where did Anne get this? You know, like it must have been from a really cool store or something like that. So I mean, even again, that's, that's my that's pandemic rug. Okay, you you saw me post that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that I worked on that for a year and a half every night while wow. we while we waited it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I think that's something that maybe is interesting too. Is that something that has kind of I guess changed the way a little bit that you've been thinking about your work because it seems weird because everything is in flux, you know, even still now. But I mean, I think that maybe to the detriment of us all, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people that kind of had a good response to the pandemic in the sense of reevaluation. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's funny during 2020, I have quite a few projects that I was working on and showing. And one of the cool things they did down in Beverly that I got to participate in was doing the windows for this. Um, it used to be a train station. Now it's a coffee shop. And they they said, yeah, do the windows in mylar. And it kind of looks like stained glass from the outside. Mm -hmm. And it's an installation and people could walk by. So normally they have something like the art walk. Mm -hmm. But now it was called the alt walk. And just window fronts and storefronts and doing art like installations. So that really was another direction that I feel. That's why I'm like sort of public art, murals. I have this light project trying to work with combining the the mylar with a lighted force underneath it. So want to make a really big um, fabricated lighted piece with a big piece of mylar. I have to figure out how to engineer that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's been really plaguing me. So anything that I think about a little bit, I, I want to act on. And Well, and that's really interesting, too. I'm, I'm curious, are you... 
you know, in terms of like looking for opportunities for doing more kind of site specific or installation kind of base pieces, are those ones that you're kind of going in with a plan or like materials and you're just going to p- kind of play with these materials or? I think I'm going to start with getting that fabricated and I, I think it needs some experimentation, but I had really good responses that light fixture was a kind of a chandelier that I exhibited at Governor's State a few years ago, mm-hmm. but it needs more um, testing, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, but like, I mean, so to kind of think about those, like these installations then, are you kind of approaching them the same way in terms of you're going to go in and kind of create one of these abstractions and kind of let the space kind of help kind of inform that process? The main artistic part of it, which is my Mylar paintings, I feel confident that I will create something that will work for the space, yes. But the part of it that I need to figure out would be, you know, fabrication and the electric and that that part has got me hung up temporarily. It's it's really interesting, though, to think about that, because, I mean, again, you know, some of the paintings that we talked about earlier on, you know, kind of large scale, they're kind of like referencing the figure, even if they you know, aren't including it because we're so large in comparison or it's so large in comparison to us as the viewer. So to kind of think about it in this, you know, much larger context of, you know, filling up a room or having a, a wall piece that's going to be yeah. you know, 20 feet or something, that seems really kind of exciting. And again, kind of like another you know, another avenue to kind of explore. Yeah, and and I love that. Like that, uh, the train station piece mm-hmm. looked cool from the inside, from the outside, from the night, from the day. You get worried about how how is it going to be lit, but it, it, it ended up being just fine. It worked out really great. It does transform a space, which that's like a whole new level because I feel like these these Mylar paintings are so poetic. I've had a hundred people said, "Do you ever feel, think you should light them from behind?" <laughs> over and over. And it, and the funny thing is, if you put them by a window, they kind of get washed out. As you can see on this little modification box thing I made, that it looks gorgeous, like lit up. It looks like stained glass. Mm-hmm. So I I just think that's so beautiful that I need to follow through with that. Well, so we were just talking about, you know, a number of new kind of approaches and investigations. Are there other things that are kind of like, I guess, brewing, if you will, in, in terms of, you know, projects that you're working on? Because, again, that's something that's really interesting is, you know, kind of keeping it fresh. I feel like I'm terrible at that. And I, I guess that's kind of one of the things that's so exciting about, you know, like you were talking about how even just the light changing or time of day influencing the work, it strikes me as totally different than when you're just working on this you know, painting or something that's just kind of statically lit as opposed to kind of changing. So I'd imagine that gives you new ideas yeah. to kind of address things in different ways. Yeah, that's a good question because I, I and a, a good frame of reference because I do, I do want to conquer making the best oil kind of oil painting. I feel like I haven't made my best painting yet. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm, p- part of me feels like somehow that, that needs to get done. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think there's so many avenues for exploration with light. I've, I've been thinking a lot about light and also fiber again because of the. I've been doing weaving, but I also want to print some of these mylar pieces and do some big sort of installation with these drawings because I think that would be really cool to transform a space, make it sort of ethereal. Mm-hmm. 
somehow my mylars lend themselves to this kind of ethereal feeling that I I don't know if I naturally have or if it's in the paintings or if it's two different beasts and I think it's just the transparency I'm not sure I'm thinking about it live here <laughs> on the air <laughs> but I, but I do want to do that kind of move into other avenues other materials other insta- mainly installation if there's one thing again as a silver lining to this last kind of weird uh I don't know how many months we're into this now. You know, no, three, <laughs> 500 days? Yeah, I mean, I don't 500 know. 500 days of summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but I mean, I think that's awesome, you know, because again, it's just uh, such a different challenge, you know, and I think that's something that's really cool, keeps it fresh, you know, so that you're always kind of looking at things a little bit different and not kind of getting, you know, caught up in kind of just staying in the, in your comfort zone, which is really kind of cool. And I think, you know, it's really easy for artists to kind of, go in so many different directions to either get really you know kind of repetitive or just to drop off altogether so yeah I know I don't want to be repetitive and I do think you made a good point about the although you and I were extremely busy teaching (laughs) lots of classes so I didn't really feel like I had the downtime some other people had where you know it was kind of an adjustment where Mm -hmm. we were really busy trying to um, figure out how to teach online yeah I think we kind of had to reinvent ourselves a little bit yes so that as you can imagine took up a lot of bandwidth in my brain (laughs) so but I do feel like there is the the residual sort of invigoration of creating again or I never stop but I, I mean making the art new keeping it fresh like you're saying not you know sort of a a line of work but not um, repetitive yeah absolutely no I think that's really interesting just because I think that's all we're ever going to be doing right you know you're talking about making that perfect oil painting I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen you know I think I think you'll make it and then you know a day later you'll be like I could do better than that you know yeah I want it to move and feel I mean I love the painting back there from graduate school and you know sometimes when you you're maybe more learned mm-hmm. you can't quite get that freshness mm-hmm. you know it's like your first record mm-hmm. of a band sure nirvana <laughs> well i know they made a few <laughs> <laughs> well right on well so again just kind of remind everybody what's what's your instagram handle and you know maybe talk again if there's anything kind of coming up uh um, you know, in the near future that, that well I'm, they're doing promote. another art walk in september i think or the end of august i have to check that's in beverly um, I have a piece up there at the Alliance Gallery that I work with some graffiti guys, which is really cool. And that's another, you know, I love that fresh energy that, that they have, and it's inspiring. So there's two pieces up there. And then in a, a month or so, I'm going to um, have a whole space where I have to create art for this oh, wow. art walk. And where's that again? This is in Beverly, the south side. It's like um, they they do a walk in September and they transform the whole town into these venues and artists come in. I've been participating. I have tons of friends down there. Shout out to Beverly. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's a good time. And they, you know what I love about it, David? <laughs> yeah. They combine music <laughs> with art. And it's a very lovely, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. They curate the bands. Like a lot of Chicago musicians have been playing in these small little backyard shows in Beverly. 
you know, they feel like both things are just as important. So it fits with my philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds perfect, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, again, thanks so much for, you know, inviting me over, you know, to be able to kind of talk about your work. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks once again to Anne for joining me. If you want to check out her work, go visit Instagram and follow her at Anne Bloss. And once again, she will be showing in the 2021 Beverly Art Walk, Saturday, September 18th. Over 50 venues, lots of live music in Chicago. So definitely something that will be a blast. Check it out there. Once again, if you're new to Studio Break, there are some recent episodes worth checking out. We had portrait artist David Casson joining us, as well as... Kendra Balgren of James May Gallery in Wisconsin last week featured a interesting podcast for me in that it was about Golden Shadow, a band that I helped start during the pandemic with Ben Cohan and Brett Beery. So that's a fun one as well. Once again, all of these are available on studiobreak.com. Each of those posts there with different artists have images of their work, links to their websites. And of course, you can listen to their interviews while you're working away in the studio. Great way to pass the time and fill your studio with great vibes, good thoughts and interesting ideas. Another great way to not miss an episode is to subscribe to podcasts on Apple, Spotify, wherever. So be sure that you do that. And of course, if you help spread the word, that would be excellent. You earn some karma points and help us out. So we really appreciate that. And of course, you can easily do that on social media. Be sure to like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break. And of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. Super easy to share. And thank you so much for doing that. Music today is by Golden Shadow, which features myself on guitar, Ben Cohan on drums, and Brett Beery on bass. Also on the intro song is Decal's guitarist Brigham Hagerman, so super excited to share that. You can check out Ben's paintings by going over to mbencohan.com. Be sure to follow on Instagram as well. That's mbencohanstudio. If you're looking for new music, check out Brett Beery on Instagram. There's a link to a number of albums available on Bandcamp in the bio. Once again, if you haven't listened to that last episode, 261, with Golden Shadow, please do that. And be sure to give a follow at Golden Shadow Band on Instagram. If you want to see some of my paintings, head on over to davidlinaway.com and be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, at David Linaway. And as I sign off, I just wish everybody a safe weekend and a really productive studio. Hope that everybody's doing well. Quick shout out to Ken Rusty, that's at Art From Hun on Instagram. Thanks for listening. And of course, anybody that enjoys this podcast, always great hearing from you. We'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>